0: There are so many pet industry businesses today that many vet professionals are overwhelmed. Who do we support? Who do we purchase from? Who do we even know is behind the company? This week, we're going to talk about the importance of supporting veterinary founded, supported, and run businesses all across the spectrum. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And during the, yes, I dare say the COVID pandemic shutdown, down, Becky, yes. we have really turned our attention to a lot of online ordering. We've talked about different businesses that we support and don't support. We've come under a tremendous stress load and our ability to effectively handle patients and clients. And so this week, we want to talk a little bit about the importance of supporting veterinary-owned businesses whenever possible. Because let's face it, most of the stuff that we buy and sell and use and recommend even aren't often run by veterinarians. So we thought this would be an interesting conversation. But before we get into that interesting conversation, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward.
1: And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser.
0: And Becky, this really started with a conversation that you and I were having about, hey, you know, how do we support veterinary-owned businesses? There's a lot of entrepreneurs. There's a lot of really interesting innovations happening. But, you know, sometimes the vet profession doesn't get behind our own. And we wanted to start a conversation about, hey, should we be supporting, quote-unquote, veterinary-owned or veterinary-run businesses?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of that whole like buy from the USA kind of mentality when we put our effort into thinking about and how we source our services and our businesses right. and our products. And in the veterinary industry, we have two very distinct groups. We have, you know, the business folks who see an opportunity in the vet field and they know just because of data, it's one of the most growing profitable industries Um You know i was i met with a uh, insurance company the other day who was talking about the projections of what the pet insurance industry could be is over 50 billion dollars wow right right (laughs) and point being um they have nothing to do with veterinary industry they again too don't even have veterinary people employed on the team so um but they're going to make a lot of money a lot. Right. And then, you know, to be fair, I was talking to them, right? So they are looking at the veterinary industry. But as you yeah. and I were talking about, it's often an afterthought. It's like, a, okay, you know what? It's going to look bad if we don't have veterinary people and <laughs> right. staff. So let's get some. <laughs> but by then, most of the process has been made. Then the other wheelhouse are these amazing, in, you know, um, business minded, entrepreneurial spirited veterinary folks and i mean i'm talking everything from like taking the caps off of vaccines and making like badge pulley things that are shaped like hearts i mean i'm talking like every imaginable creative brilliant thing all the way through you know science-based companies that are running you know um labs Labs, and everything right food companies you know so it's like I wanted to have a conversation today and, and we wanted to talk about how we can support these folks who are like smashing it out there and working so hard and we can support them. Not to say not the business people, but like, let's put some effort in our choice.
0: Yeah, and I think that really, you know, viewfinders, it's something that you really do want to sort of take note of because most of the companies, and let's face it, these are multi-billion dollar companies or conglomerates in many instances, you know, they are run largely by non-veterinary professionals. We're talking about people that don't even maybe, you know, have a pet. I mean, I'm just being honest about this. And so that's fine. And they make great products and perform amazing services. But when there is an option for like, a veterinary-owned or founded or run business, you know, I do want you to take note of that. That's really, I guess, the first step in this, and and that's one of the things that has always led me towards my entrepreneurship and starting a series of businesses throughout my uh, career, and and quite frankly, led us to my latest two things, which of course, one is Wild Earth, the the plant-based pet food company out of uh, California. Uh, you know, I thought it was really important that a veterinarian sort of be there at the beginning, because like you said, Becky, often it's an afterthought. Like, you know, it's like some business people get together, they identify a need and they start to execute a a solution. And then it's like, oh yeah. And for the optics part of this, you know, for the public facing image, uh, let's hire somebody to be like a spokesperson. So they get a Becky, they get a Ernie, they get a whomever. Right. And, uh, I don't think that's necessarily the best way to do it, because I do believe strongly in the culture, the DNA, you know, the ethos and the mission of the company. And so by inserting a veterinary professional perspective in it at the very inception, Becky, I think it changes the course of the culture of that business. But more importantly, it changes their impact in our profession.
1: A hundred percent. And there are a lot of these businesses that are going out there and, and including the veterinary industry. But we're talking about a, a huge spectrum here. And so um what we kind of wanted to focus on was I guess a little of that whole spectrum, but like including that just individual technician who's out there who got like um what do you call it? That little like it's like a sewing machine that cuts everything into shapes and then they make these really cool window stickers right, and then right. they're on Etsy and they have a little Etsy shop and um I love all that. It's so cool, right? You you might
0: remember we had Dr. uh, Philippe Moreau, uh, who's a French veterinarian, who's one of my Idols and one of my mentors. I'm happy to call him my friend for all these years. But one of the first things he did, and this was back, you know, he was a, a surgeon. He's a boarded surgeon, taught at university, started clinics in France. But one of the first things he did was he invented a, you know, I've talked about it on the show a couple of times. He invented that leash loop that you can hang up the, you know, like in your lobby. It's a little coil loop. You can just instantly put like, the yeah, leash it on looks really it. It's really tricky, it, but your it,
1: leash just falls in it.
0: Right. And it just comes right back out. He. Well, invented invented that. And that's the kind of spirit of innovation that I just want to reward, you know? So so I think that like, If you're a veterinary professional out there today, and you probably are if you're listening to this show, you know, I I want you to identify like, you know, hey, that's cool. A vet invented this and support it because that's how we keep this circle of innovation within our profession moving forward as opposed to just letting somebody else do it for us. And I don't know, I guess I guess I'm still old school enough, Becky, to want to MacGyver so many solutions, you know, that that I'm, I'm proud of that.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of, um, I guess the, the um, parallel conversation here is that if you are an innovator, if you are an entrepreneur, you're like this little closet thinker in a clinic somewhere think, listening, and you're like, yeah, I have this really cool thing. I, because I think back to like when NAFTA had the journals with like the little um, tech tips right, in it, right, that was right. like everyone just sharing these really cool. Like, Oh, I, I, we learned if we reuse the IV bags, they make amazing foot covers for rainy days, you know, and this type of sharing not only, um, does us better by patient care, but those are the little things like, what did you invent in your practice? Please turn it into a thing. And so I guess like, yeah, the parallel conversation is encouraging.
0: Right. And and this is where I will slightly turn a little critical because when we don't do it ourselves, sometimes things go terribly wrong. And I will perhaps mention, you know, someone who likes to whisper to canines. And, you know, suddenly, you know, we wind up completely losing one of oh our gosh. domains, behavior. Suddenly now we become irrelevant to the conversation. And viewfinders, you have heard me say this on this podcast for nearly four years now, and if you've listened to me lecture or read anything I've written for the past twenty-five years, you've taught. I constantly am hammering: we can't lose our relevancy to the pet parent, right? And that's what I'm talking about. So it's like I do get frustrated at times because behavior and nutrition, in particular, you know, we have risked giving them away, which, quite frankly, Becky is one of the reasons that I am so passionate about pet food is because I do want to somehow reclaim a voice in that process, because obviously I think food is foundational to health and longevity uh, and well-being. But but my point being that, you know, how do we as veterinarians and veterinary professionals start to say, okay, how can I identify these companies and then how can I support them? So, Becky, what are some of the things that you're out there looking for as you've got your vet radar on?
1: Yeah, you know, you put your ear to the ground, right? I have to say, and I totally hate to say this because it's so like, ugh but facebook man you know okay. social media <laughs> right these groups i mean the the world has gotten so small with the ability to communicate and um converse with individuals across the universe with a, with a um interest and so veterinary entrepreneur groups are very prevalent on Facebook. Um, There are places to go on like LinkedIn Mm -hmm. um, and connecting is, is just like one of the best things I think that you can do. The other thing I have to say I love is global pet expo for that reason. And I don't know what GPE is going to do this year, but it's a, it's the ability to like, look at, it feels like 7 million vendors and find out who's doing what and who's making what and who's behind what in a very concentrated space and um, at the end of the day you gotta just do your research right like we kind of get on our clients like do research right like and we would research new products it's just another element of research we need to add into our repertoire
0: Right. And I I think that, you know, we do want to be as supportive as possible because often, you know, if a veterinarian has started a company or invented something or is somehow performing a service, you know, I I don't know. Look, I love my profession. I somehow think that they're going to probably be a little more responsible and and serious in their offering. You know, I I think the stakes are high. I mean, we could lose our professional licenses. I mean, there's you know, there's a lot of reasons why I think it's important to have a vet space there like you, Becky. I think that Global Pet is awesome. Super Zoo, which is the one held in Vegas. Is also a great way, but most of you can't go see those shows, uh, and I only rarely get to go see them when it works out in life. This year, of course, it did not work out for anybody's life. But um, you know, LinkedIn is a great resource for me. I do wish that some of the you know magazines and look, you know, I sit on on the NABC, you know um, editorial board and all of that stuff. Um, I wish that we did better coverage of these types of, of of initiatives. I can tell you, they listen to this podcast regularly. So yeah. if you're listening out there. You know, my my our our peers at NAVC and VMX. Uh, I think these are are worth showcasing because I want to make sure that the vet profession knows when a veterinarian or a veterinary professional uh, is actually you know making some some positive change.
1: Yeah, and speaking of which, podcasts are a great place because you know when I think about the vet tech podcast and even like oh I don't know pet innovation podcast which you and I are doing mm-hmm. it, it looks on my calendar. I think next week we're recording with them. Their they're pet innovation—that's like literally the title of their podcast. So they're showcasing and and um you know putting emphasis on who's in the industry doing really cool things. And so um got to shout out podcasts.
0: Right. So podcasts. All. The, so just staying informed. I think that's one of the things. For now, sure. Becky, I do want to kind of slightly shift the conversation because there are a lot of of unique services that maybe we should, you know, shine a little spotlight on. And one of the things that pops to my mind right away are relief workers. I mean, yeah. because right now, I think most of you, we've all really tried to adjust and adapt as well as possible to the current pandemic. But, you know, that also means that many times we're not getting time off. And so we're maybe you've never used a relief person before, a tech or a vet, but suddenly now you're looking for that. I, I think like that's one of the areas that's vet driven, vet owned often. Um, I will say, you know, I do worry sometimes about other outside forces coming in. But, you know, Becky, talk a little bit about like, you know, vet tech relief and vet relief programs.
1: Yeah. So I think about um, like Michelle Krusakiani in Minnesota and Liz Houston in California, who have their own relief services. Michelle actually employs other technicians in relief. And in the beginning of COVID, she was in like a bad space because no one was looking for relief services because no one was on vacation. Right. Um, and then now it's blown up for her. And I, I have to say it tied into this conversation we were having, I know, we were talking about these wait times we're hearing about. And I have a girlfriend who works in San Diego and she said the emergency wait times out there are six to eight hours. Wow. And it, literally if it is not like an emer, like a legit emergency, like we all know like, Oh, you're, you're, ear infection has somehow become an emergency at midnight on Saturday but we treat it right even if you have to wait an hour this is now like no you can't come here we we're turning them away right
0: and one of the things too viewfinders that we're seeing because like Becky I'm hearing all over the country just excessive inordinate. You know, long wait times. But one of the things that's happened, we, we highlighted, we've done two podcasts on this, are these pandemic pets. These people aren't establishing regular veterinary care. So literally, they're getting a pet somehow, and it's never gone to the vet, except for whatever rescue group or organization, however they got it. And then suddenly, like, oh, wow, he's vomiting. And they are rushing to the emergency room. And, and you know, and honestly, that overwhelms the system because, you know, the emergency room really should be used for what is that again, Becky West? the term oh emergencies i know
1: know. but you're right that lack of knowledge like i can think of times that new pet owners came in very concerned of something that just simply wasn't or Mm -hmm. you know we've talked before about um those little spiny thorns everybody has a different name for them in different parts of the country um but foxtails well no, no no foxtails are really bad um we call them like um Sandspurs, those sandspurs yeah, here. Okay. Yeah, but okay. they're called like um. I've I've heard them called really funny things uh, different across the country.
0: So viewfinders, what do you, what do you call them out there? Yeah,
1: a lot of people don't know sandspur, <laughs> that pokey thing that when you go to remove it, then sticks in you. But like I, <laughs> my point being, how many of those have come into the ER where right. people are sure the leg is broken because they will not put it down. Right. Uh, when a stick is across the mouth, but those are things we're used to be able to dealing with because people are genuinely concerned um i also think more staycations more being home is leading to more problems like we're out doing more so more i think more dog fights are happening i think you know we're we're doing more local things but anyway point being it's insane and we can lean into our relief workers, our home call vets. Like we should be tapping into our colleagues at this time and seeing how we can support those. I'm like, hey, pull some vets out of retirement. You know, um, let's really leverage what we can by communicating a little bit better and working together in the industry And it's a great opportunity for our entrepreneurs um, that are out there who, who are, are waiting for this and, and this is what they do for a living.
0: Yeah. And I love that because, you know, viewfinders, I think that what Becky's really saying here, and I completely agree with this sentiment is she's saying, look, you know, okay, let's say that you guys are feeling stressed out at work. You're overwhelmed. Wait times are six to eight hours. Oh my gosh, I need a staycation. Right. I get that. Well, this is a great time to turn within our profession and say, is there a solution? And of course there is. And I mean, how that solution plays out in your practice you know, is going to depend on where you are, whether it's, you know, relief agency, whether it's a relief vet, I mean, you know, whatever, but this is a great way to lean back into the profession. Like Becky said, maybe there's like a semi-retired vet in your area and you could say, Hey, you know, look right now, we're kind of crazy busy. Uh, I know you're retired and happily playing golf every Thursday, but what about on Tuesday? Would you like to come in and work a half a day? I mean, yeah. you know, and, and I will tell you the reason that Becky and I are saying this is because we are brokering those conversations quite frankly like you know there are vets that are calling us and saying oh my gosh i'm desperate i don't know what to do and we're trying to say well look you know um is there this person in your area or maybe we even know somebody that we can help
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. And that's part of leveraging that community, right? Like who can help me? How can I get (laughs) not out of this, but uh, support this? And I think, you know, there's this mass exodus from the field that is also hugely affecting us, right? Like our, our vets are, and our techs are having to literally quit because their kids are home um but what I was just thinking about when you were talking as uh you know as far as just being a little feeling a little out of control COVID has kind of created that and a lot of practices so I hear almost I would say 70 30 still curbside 70 30 are like kind of rolling back over and I think for the clinics who are feeling really overwhelmed and have huge wait times This is a great time while you are getting the extra income to leverage a consultant. And there are tons of consultants in our industry. And and again, you are backing the veterinary industry when you have a consultant who is in the industry um, to help you improve these processes at this time. Because it is very difficult to do your regular day-to-day job that already took you 40 hours. Let alone to go back over this and review the processes and implement new processes and research new processes. You're barely holding your head above water um, on most days in the clinic, let alone this new onslaught. So, um, when we talk about leveraging folks who are entrepreneurs and independent, this is a great time for them too.
0: Right. And so now, as we sort of near the the last act of our podcast this week, uh, thank you for listening this far, Viewfinder family. But uh, what about you know those other? You know, we, we're talking about supporting vet. Vet-owned, vet-founded, vet-run businesses, but, but there are some that we just can't, right? So, what about groomers? What about trainers, right? I mean, this is where Becky and I will constantly remind you, our professional colleagues, to make those connections because that's really sort of part of the support network that we're talking about because literally, you know, I want you to quote unquote vet that groomer and and so if you don't have grooming services, which again that would be a way to support the vet profession in my opinion, but let's say you don't, well you need to go out there and make a connection with, you know, a two or three groomers or whatever, make sure that you, uh, appreciate their processes. Their hygiene is solid. You know, their pricing is competitive. I mean, they actually know how to shape the dog's uh, coat and, and, you know, do the do the proper cuts. And, and then that's part of the network, because I think Becky, I think what I'm really trying to say to the vet profession is be a little more thoughtful in the choices that we make. And when given the choice between two similar offerings, you know, maybe tip towards the vet side of things, if possible, is that making sense?
1: Yeah. And I think, so a couple things, number one, vet professional owned yes, businesses yes. for sure. Right. Cause we have tons of technician entrepreneurs out there. Number two, um, we obviously you need to go with the best, right? Because we right. know that they may or may not be, but it is something that when, like you said, when given an equal otherwise choice, um, it is just supporting our colleagues and supporting our friends. Um, and, Creating a place for the entrepreneurship within our colleagues to to lead to better patient care because we're leveraging that experience. So I think that that is really great. But to be fair, um, one step further on what you said is that there are tons of... um, veterinary based and especially technician owned businesses in those areas you spoke about. So like, I think about day with Renee out in right, Washington, right. I believe she's a, a registered vet tech who is a pet sitter. Um, and she is a dog walker and she has a, an amazing following. And part of what she leverages is, Hey, I'm a veterinary technician. If anything goes wrong, your dog is an amazingly good trained hand. Right. So um, we know that technicians all of a sudden decide, you know, what I love grooming and I can make four times as much money and be, a million times the more appreciated, so <laughs> I'm going to go be a dog groomer <laughs> where nobody you know, anyway. Right, uh, and I love that part
0: because that's yeah, the entrepreneurial spirit right. that we're liking, like, like Day with Renee, like th- those are the kind of services that I think we're really, that's the essence of today's podcast. Yes. It's like, if that exists in your area and let's face it, you've got two choices, right? It's like, uh, well, I'm staying out of the whole pet sitter, you know, dog walker business. I'm not making those recommendations as a vet clinic. Or you could say, wow, wait, what? There's a vet tech who actually does these services? Well, I need to support them. So I'm going to steer my clients who need those services that way.
1: I mean, exactly. And so, you know, kind of two other aspects, if you are one of those people, you know, make sure you're leveraging your veterinary right. clinics. It, it's really hard to be a sales quote unquote sales foot person. Um, I just know my colleagues hate it and they don't like that feeling. So just remember you have to let the clinics know that you're out there. And I guess like kind of that last thing is if you are drowning in clinics and you are doing eight to 10 hour visits, like let's look at your tech appointments and look at leveraging your technicians because I know everyone's busy and everybody is is drowning out there. But again, if you're doing behavioral consultations or you're doing you know, nail trims and anal gland expressions, there are tons of technicians out there who are uh, making extra money doing IV fluids, nail trims, things like that at home. So how can you outsource the things that are taking a lot of time away from your patient care on your nine to five or tying up your technicians on your nine to five? Um, Right now, if you have hour and hour, hour wait times, there's nothing worse than having four baths on that whiteboard. So right. um, how can we make sure we are leveraging those interests and, and getting them that extra money that they need?
0: Yeah, I love that. And and again, viewfinders, you know, if I were given the choice in practice between to, to to if I knew that there was a groomer who was a veterinary technician, wow! I mean, done decision made. I'm yeah. I'm over. I mean, I mean that's really the kind of stuff that I like to see because you know again that shows initiative and I have a higher level of trust in someone who has gone gotten credentialed as a vet tech uh, and who now decides their passion is making dogs look beautiful and our cats of course. Yeah. But uh, you know yeah. I, I like oh. that aspect. Um, I guess the the final part of the today's conversation, viewfinders is okay. So. I think we can all agree in general terms, let's try to support veterinary professional owned, founded, run businesses, services whenever possible it's hard to identify. So maybe there's some things we can do, whether it's social media, whether it's professional magazines, whatever, you know, we're going to try to identify them. The third thing is, Hey, look in your community because there might be some really, you know, unexpected offerings out there. Right. Um, and I think that that will lead us naturally into, you know, why is this important? Because we do want to celebrate the best of us. Right. And I know that we've got, veterinary technician week coming up next week. And I think we're going to be doing, you know, a special episode around that, but, you know, Becky, let's talk about, you know, it's not just paying them or buying stuff from them, but it's also celebrating them. And again, sometimes I feel like I'm losing my mind, but that's how it feels to me. It's like, I want to celebrate their, their efforts.
1: Well, I think that's exactly it. And unfortunately it's like, we have two kind of mentalities in the profession, right? It's either there's room for everyone and, and your success does not away from my success it's not a pie um there is enough for everyone or, or there's room for everyone or there's like the mentality of like your success threatens mine right and your success makes me feel less successful and it's unfortunate and it falls under the bullying mentality the insecurities whatever all those things that we're racked with in all the clinics and i, and I you know but if you can kind of get that mentality of like, uh, just because somebody in your clinic is successful, it doesn't mean necessarily they're going to go away. And, and even if it does, it doesn't mean there's another a shiny gem behind them. Like, unfortunately we have this potential to to knock each other down in this industry and to not, see each other's success. And, you know, I even see people out there who talk about bullying all the time that don't really realize that they're kind of a bully and how they say (laughs) things and come across to people. So then you just kind of think to yourself, like, there's a lot of mess in this industry that way. And sometimes it's like, can we just take a little pearl and pull it out and talk about how we could just do it a little better. And I think this is just a little pearl we can talk about this week.
0: Gosh, Becky, you know, it just reminds me if I, had a nickel, and I'm not exaggerating, for every time another veterinary colleague had told me this, you have no business doing, insert whatever I'm doing at that time, right? You know, it's like, I mean, I started a clinic, you know, a year after graduate, you have no business starting a clinic, you don't know what you're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've started, I I started a telepet, right? I mean, I started a, a, an automated paging system. I, I figured out how to hack into the early modems back in in 1993 and 1994. You have no business doing that. You don't know anything about computers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. and, and just continue on down. And that's really, I think, that's the professional, you know, I, I, I don't use the term bullying, but the discouragement, right? Because you're right, Becky, people have either an abundance mentality or a scarcity mentality. And so there are so many people that when they see you getting ahead or trying to do Something different, they want to bring you back in. It's crabs in a pot, my friend. You know, I'm going to be the one who tries to get on top of you to get out. And I, that jealousy, that I, Becky, it breaks my heart because, I mean, golly Moses, I started a plant based pet food company. Yeah. You have no business doing that. What do you know about it? It's like, yeah, okay.
1: No. <laughs> I know. Mean, yeah. Uh, it I drives mean, I, me crazy. I host a, another podcast. As a lot of our listeners know, I, I do clinicians brief as well. And right. um, I've been. Literally go look on iTunes. The comments are one, I'm too chatty, which I think is interesting because I am hosting a podcast and two, that my voice is actually painful. Like literally the words painful are in the comments. And I just thought like, whoa, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But you know, that's okay. That's their truth. But it is sort of this sort of bullying mentality. And exactly what you just said, um, Dr. Andy Rourke reached out to me and he was just like trying to pep talk me without mentioning it in case I didn't know it was written. Um, and to just kind of have like a hater conversation with me. And then I brought it up and he's like, I didn't know if you knew. I'm so sorry. And it was like, he was reaching out to say, I'm sorry, because I see you're being bullied in this way and it's unnecessary and you're being knocked down. And usually it's by people who want to or wish to be where you are or just are threatened by your success.
0: Yeah. So, again, you know, <laughs> when you're out there selecting businesses, try to take that bias off, you know, yeah. try to try to try to say, hey, you know, wow, I'm going to celebrate I, one of my colleagues, a veterinarian, yeah. a veterinary technician, whomever in our profession, you know, they're actually trying to do something cool. It may not be the choice that you make. That's fine. You may not think it's up to par or whatever. That's fine, too. But don't just dismiss it because you think her voice is grating
1: or, whatever. or knock it down. <laughs> right. If, and, and if you need a little ear stab, please tune in weekly. Yeah. To, just, uh, yeah. Because I've been doing ear- it for four years. Whole, my
0: ears are right. pretty good. So yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah and and again
0: those are the kind of things that I think that you know I know we've talked ex, you know exhaustively about online negativity and so forth and and you really just have to you just have to tune it out whenever possible.
1: Yeah but you know greater than that uh, the silver lining and the ones that stick much better are you know regularly there's um you know, vet tech groups will say, what are you listening to? Where are you shopping? I, you know, I definitely right now want to shout out snout school. They've got the, there is no space in veterinary medicine for racism. I got my sweatshirt last week. I was super proud to, um, I was so proud to put it on social media that I forgot to give them credit, but I was <laughs> quickly corrected. So that's fine. And I really was glad to be reminded to give them credit. So, um, you you know, uh, there are are great organizations out there doing great things actually right now in in these movements. Um, and they're being shouted out way more than people are being knocked down right now. So right. please keep that momentum up.
0: Right. I, I uh, <laughs> Talking of stepping in it inadvertently, I posted a picture of myself getting a flu shot here a week or two ago. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> didn't really make any kind of proclamation. Just said, you know, hey, getting my flu shot today had a picture of me. And, uh, yeah, you know, this is one of the reasons why I really avoid Facebook. <laughs> because yeah, I got you super know, political fast. Yeah, it it. got super political super fast. And that's one of those things of the, you know, Instagram, Facebook integration where it automatically posts. And I just kind of forget that that's on sometimes. (laughs) So I had a lot of interesting comments about, you know, vaccines and uh, alien DNA. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I got some on the
1: sweatshirt too, right? Because hashtag all lives matter. And I'm like, nope, not on my page. (laughs) That's not exactly what that's about, you know. Oh
0: boy. Well, anyway, viewfinders, that brings us to the conclusion of today's conversation. And, you know, what are you doing to celebrate veterinary colleagues and their entrepreneurial pursuits? Like, how do you identify what are some of the companies and services that you really like? You know, are you an innovator, inventor, an entrepreneur? We want to hear from you.
1: That's right. If you are running your own business or love a veterinary based business, shout them out on our Facebook or Instagram. We want to make sure to get them credit and we want to shop there, too. Nothing more I love in, in therapy than shopping. And um, we want to know, you know, what you guys are out there doing to support and celebrate. And speaking of celebrate, consider one of these veterinary uh, professional-owned businesses to get your vet tech some amazing swag for Vet Tech Week next week, um, which we'll we'll be here to celebrate.
0: We sure will. And if you want to connect with us again, Instagram Veterinary Viewfinder, Facebook Veterinary Viewfinder, and even that thing on Twitter called Vet Viewfinder. I am there. I know it is just a sinkhole, but anyway. I get trapped in, vet. you know, it's funny because viewfinders, we want to know, like, what is your preferred social media these days? Uh, I know it's hard. I kind of want to turn them all off right now, but yeah. regardless, do you like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snap, you know, TikTok. we want to hear from you. There's TikTok. no
1: sinkhole like TikTok. Oh, gosh.
0: Don't even yeah. get me started. I personally have really uh, refrained from TikTok because I watch my wife and daughters get completely lost and yeah. it's like, hey, come back, come
1: back, come back. You go to exit put one more of vi- it just one more video and then if you want to really <laughs> exit you exit one more time so they get you bad but um also you can tune in to us on your favorite podcast platforms wherever you're listening head over to itunes and leave us some feedback tell me how painful my voice is to you am i too chatty here on this talking podcast <laughs> we want to hear from you guys
0: yes we do <laughs> And Becky, you're definitely not too chatty because after all, if you weren't chatting, it would sound a lot like that. (laughs) Until next time, stay safe and I got my flu shot. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was funny. I
1: feel better. (laughs) I feel like I needed that. (laughs)